Welcome to episode 339 of We Don't Die Radio. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Our guest today is spiritual medium, author, and intuitive coach, Mickey Havelock. She is the author of a brand new book called Dying to See You, A Medium Describes Her Near-Death Experience. Mickey is passionate about helping others gain a deeper understanding of self and gain confidence on their journeys to achieve their aspirations. She also does workshops, medium demonstrations, private sittings, and performs wedding ceremonies and funerals. She is a beautiful soul. You can find out more about her on her website, MickeyHavelock.com. Mickey, a warm welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's super nice. To, and I know we got introduced by mutual friends and we've been on Facebook typing back and forth. And I'm just so happy to connect with you voice to voice. Yeah, me too. Me too. Where do you live, Mickey? Where is your home? So I live on the south coast of England. So I'm right on the sunny south coast, um, which is a place called Bournemouth. Nice. I am 3,000 miles away from <laughs> my mom's house in Newport, Rhode Island in the US. I know. It's funny to think we're all these hours apart, and yet these modern technology means that we're only seconds apart, really, aren't we? It's great. It's great, which always makes me say, you know, the afterlife is all around us. and Absolutely. Time doesn't matter. So tell us a little bit about you and how your, your story started. I mean, are you somebody who grew up always believing in the afterlife or having uh, invisible friends and things like that? Tell us a little <laughs> bit about you. Well, I certainly wouldn't call them invisible friends. Um, I think as a child, I was very aware of the spirit world, um, but it was something that kind of scared me because I didn't really understand it. I'd go to bed at night and faces would float around my bedroom. Wow. I'd hear the footsteps coming up the stairs and I'd hear them step into my bedroom and I'd kind of bury myself under the duvet and face the wall and just keep repeating to myself, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. And, um, and maybe they won't bother me. Um, but at the end of the day, I would talk to my parents and they'd kind of say, oh, it's just your imagination. You're between asleep and awake. But I knew, even then, I knew that that wasn't right. I knew that there was, it, this was something. Uh, and there was an old lady that used to sit in a rocking chair in the back bedroom by the window. So I, um, I wouldn't go past that room unless I had my mum or my dad with me. Um, so it kind of it scared me really and then I got to a point where I started to you know you get to that age don't you where boys and work and everything else becomes Mm -hmm. important and friends and and I started blocking it out because I didn't want to feel weird I didn't want people to see me as weird um, because when I was younger and sort of said to other friends are you aware of these but they'd be like what are you talking about and I think, oh, okay, I won't say anything then. Um, and then it was really when my son was born. Um, do you know, it was just sitting there looking at him as a baby in his Moses basket and wondering at this marvel of miracle of something so tiny in me and something so tiny in my husband had produced this amazing, fully functioning person with a heartbeat, with lungs, with little fingernails, all the details of him, and thinking there has to be more to life than just we are born, we live, we die. Mm -hmm. That then started making me think much more about back to my childhood with the faces in my bedroom, the lady in the back room, and I just started to think constantly in every question brought another question which would bring another question bring another question and it's never stopped to this day if I'm honest um and then I just started to sort of my own journey really in the search of what is life all about Mm -hmm. and then the doorway just started to reopen and there was a point in time when um when my son I used to put him to bed and shut this, open the stair gate, like the children's stair gate at the bottom of the stairs. I'd then leave it open because he's in bed. And come the same time every night, it would start slamming shut. 
and opening and slamming shut. Oh my. And shut. And my husband would look at me and go, what the hell? You need to go and sort that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and that was when I discovered one of, one of my team, if you like, that works with me, that was just trying to get my attention, really, at that time. Um, and very much my spiritual journey back in those days was about me. It was, it was about my life and understanding life and my connection with them. And how old? Yeah, it, how, it does make sense. How old is your son now? How long ago was this journey to this beginning? Well, he's in his late 20s now. Okay, so it's been a while. So, yeah, it's definitely been a while. Um, it was never something that I kind of went into going, I'm going to be a medium. I'm going to work publicly. I'm going to, this was just a personal journey. Um, and then I went to Finlay college. Um, and then everything started to change really. And I started to find that it was more, it was no longer my personal journey. I was being pushed more and more into using it just if that makes sense and using it for other people and using it to help people and then I started to realize actually this this is a gift that can help people and can help to heal um and then I backed right off and had to step away from everything completely because my husband was then diagnosed with cancer oh how long have you oh yeah you've been married now over well, we embarked then on a six-year journey of chemotherapy, operations, um, and the chemotherapy did so much damage that there was no returning, really. And he fought for about six years, and then in 2010, literally a week to the day of my birthday, and exactly 21 years of us being together, he passed. What's your husband's name? So his name was Ian. Ian. So yeah, so he passed and and the for the previous sort of eighteen months of his illness, I'd given up literally everything to just nurse him round the clock. Mm-hmm. Um and also look after my kids because I have a stepson, I have a son, and I have a daughter. So it was very much then when he passed, it was it was for me it was about their journey and their grief and putting them first. I needed for myself as a mother to get them through this grief in the best way I could so that they would come out the other side level-headed, if that makes sense. It does. And I'm so sorry for, I mean, that, that part of your journey. I mean, it's no matter what we believe in the afterlife, I don't think there's anything more painful than grief. Absolutely not. And, and you know, you saying that, Sandra, you wouldn't believe how I had some people literally at the funeral too that would say to me well it must be easy for you though with your belief I just think there is nothing easy about not having the physical presence of my husband in my life Mm -mm. nothing and um so I really sort of like it was all about the kids and getting them through best I could um but at the same time I started to embark a bit more on my spiritual journey and um started to go away for the odd weekend or um, the odd week here or there to discover more and to learn more because mm-hmm. I don't think we ever stop learning. Never. And, um, and then four years after he passed away, I had a massive heart attack and died. Oh, Mickey. So <laughs> I literally just thought I had indigestion and was really bad. And um, where were you when that happened? It was at home. I was at home and I only had my daughter with me. My son was away. By then he'd already moved away and he was at university. Um, My stepson was, um, you know, not living with us at that point in time. And so it was just myself and my daughter. And I literally came down and had to say to her, I'm going to call an ambulance because I can't get rid of this pain. I just want it to go away. And the paramedics came out, checked me all over and basically said to me, well, it's not your heart. Um, we don't know what's going on. Can you walk out to the ambulance for us? I said, yeah, of course. Walked out to the ambulance. They shot me full of morphine and they were like, are you feeling any better? I was like, 
no, you don't understand. I said, I just feel drunk now that you've given me that morphine. I said, but literally, if you've got a sore, I want to sore off my arms, rip my lower jaw off and take this pressure off my chest. I just want this pain to stop. And, um, and they're looking at the monitors and everything. And they said, well, it's definitely not your heart. I think we're going to take you in as a precaution. So I got into A&E with my daughter, who was um, 16 at the time, and just about to start her final exams of school. <coughs> and uh, sitting in A&E, the doctor came over, checked me all out and put up all the monitors. And she said, well, it's not your heart. We're going to go and check and get a camera down your throat to see if there's a burst ulcer or something going on. And I said to her, I don't care what you do. You won't even have to knock me out. Just do it because I need this pain to stop. You don't understand. I really need this pain to stop. And she left. And I looked at my daughter and I said to her, do you know what? I got to pre-warn you. I think I'm going to pass out because I'm starting to feel really lightheaded. Oh, no. So she said, okay. And she walked around the bed to get me some water. And she said on the way back around the bed, she looked across at me and my eyes started to roll into the back of my head. And she said, with that, you just went into this massive seizure. I bit right through my tongue. Oh. So for her, unfortunately, there was blood coming out of my mouth. Uh I was having this seizure. It was all very alarming. She was shouting for help. And then everything just flatlined and the machines just went. And then she's being dragged away one way. I'm being dragged away in another. And they started resuscitation. Um. But for me, it was very different. Mm-hmm. I literally said to her, I think I'm going to pass out. And with that, I, as far as I'm concerned, I turned over in the bed. And the other side of the bed was my husband. Oh. And I was so excited to see him. I literally jumped out of that bed, straight into his arms, and just hugging him, smelling him, breathing him in. And, and I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I haven't seen you for so long. Oh my God. And I was just like, in that moment, completely forgetting there was no pain. There was no um, concern, no fear, no worry, nothing. I just felt this overwhelming love. And he says to me, I've got so much to show you. And I was like, cool, let's go. And we went. And I didn't even think of anything, of what I was leaving, nothing. I was happy as Larry. I was so full of energy. I felt more alive than I felt for a long time. There was no pain, no, um, you know, (laughs) it was like I was young again and just full of beans and just this, (sighs) do you know, I keep saying this overwhelming unconditional love but it just doesn't do it justice I don't think there are the words Mm -hmm. to fully describe it and I embarked on this beautiful journey the other side where I met myself I met up with my grandparents um, and my auntie and each one of them took me on a journey of what they do the other side um, and what one of the things that they choose to do while they're over there. And the fascinating thing is that each journey actually had a lesson for me to learn afterwards, which I didn't know at the time, but I came to learn it much later. Could you give us an example? I mean, I I don't want to cut you off wherever your mind was going with that, but (laughs) I'm excited. And I know it's all in your book. I do know that, but it's nice to hear stories too. I've downloaded your book, but I haven't read it yet. (laughs) There are many things. I think one of the biggest lessons I learned is the connectivity, the fact that we are completely connected to everything. I mean, my husband and I ended up in this field and just watching the sky change, the brightness change, the colours of the sky change with every changing emotion. As we laughed harder, everything got brighter as we calmed it down and spoke more deeply, things became more subdued and the colors started to change. And it was like realizing that we're actually connected to absolutely everything. 
and that we have an effect on absolutely everything. What we're thinking, what we're feeling, our actions, our words, our thoughts are having an effect on the energy around us. And I think there was this whole, I mean, there's, there's many journeys and I'm not, probably not going to go into all of them. No, uh, that's quite all right. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was that. It was when I came back, when I was finally resuscitated, it was this horrible emotion of being ripped away from my husband again. And, and he kept saying to me, you've got to go. And I was like, what do you mean I've got to go? What are you talking about? I've only just got you back. He was like, but the kids, Mickey, you've got to go. And I was like, oh, the kids. And it's like that feeling of you've left them somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, the kids. And he kind of shoved me on the shoulder. And the next thing, this doctor was shouting in my face and saying, you're very poorly. We're rushing you into theatre. Stay with us. And I remember looking at him. First of all, my first words to him were rude. Because I thought he was being really shouting at me. Uh-huh. Secondly, I so we're rushing down a corridor and I'm just seeing my parents and my daughter sort of flash by as my parents have now obviously got to the hospital. I'm thinking this is all very dramatic. What's the matter with everyone? Um, and then I had stents put in. Um, and I just kept thinking, if I close my eyes, I could go back. If I just close my eyes, go back to my husband. If I just close my eyes. Um, By the following day, it really started to hit home. And I never spoke about my journey the other side. I kept it all very much to myself. Mm -hmm. Because this battle had begun within myself. Because I was battling, not only grieving again for my husband. Yes. I was feeling incredibly rejected. Like I wasn't good enough to stay in the spirit world. Um, which is ridiculous now if I look back at that. Um, I was feeling homesick, terribly, terribly homesick. And at the same time, I was obviously really pleased to be back with my kids, my parents, my friends. It was such a confusing time because both of them are just as important and both of them are as strong an emotion. Mm -hmm. And yet you can't, you can't have them both as such. So I started to think, well, I've got to, I've got to learn to deal with this. I've got to get over myself really. And then I started on this huge journey where I shut the spirit world out and said, that's it. I'm not doing your work anymore. You didn't want me, didn't want me to stay. Um, I still got involved with friends around me and the stuff that they were doing and enjoyed that side of things. But I, personally was almost refused to connect in with that threw myself into a material world which did me no favors because it brought me to my knees to a point of a complete breakdown oh no and uh it was in that breakdown when i had uh intervention with a doctor who family doctor who knows me very well and had been through everything with me and said we can get you some antidepressants and we can get some counselling and it was in that moment something switched within me and I looked at him and I remember saying no I have the tools within me to be able to turn this around let me work on myself and he said okay only if you promise that you'll come and see me once a month and if it doesn't work I said absolutely I'll listen to you but just let me work on myself mm-hmm. and that's really when I really started to pay attention and go back over the journey that I'd had the other side and picked apart the lessons that I'd been learning and actually start to apply them to my life. And that's when everything really started to turn around. Wow. I'm so proud of you for taking it on this way. I mean, it's, I've interviewed a lot of people that have had near death experiences, even some of the top people that have researched it and the grief of not being able to stay there has I mean, it's caused suicides. It really has. I mean, it's intense. And then you have the flip side where you love your children. Yeah. And for you to go on that journey. I wanted to ask, did, do you know how long you were actually dead, if I can put it that way? And what happened that all of a sudden they realized it's your heart and they were telling you it wasn't? Well, crazy. I think they realized when I flatlined. Yeah. <laughs> I think they suddenly went, ah, okay. Jeez. <laughs> 
And I mean, the thing is, you know, I'd bitten through my tongue. So when I got, when I actually got back onto the ward after, well, when I got into intensive care, um, they actually had a plastic surgeon come up onto the ward to stitch my tongue back up. You poor girl. And, um, but yeah, but it's just, it's one of those, isn't it? You, you I kind of, I can sit now and look back over that mm-hmm. and realize that was a journey I needed to take to understand myself. Yes. To learn about myself. Because I think the biggest thing that I've learned is no matter what in this life, we all talk, don't we? Everyone talks about, I wonder what my life purpose is. What's our life purpose? What's mm-hmm. the purpose of being here? And I truly believe that all of us have different life purposes, but we have one life purpose that is the same for everyone. And that is to get to know and understand self and to be of service in one way or another. You're telling the story like you have and your deepest, darkest time, I'm sure. And then seeing the doctor and saying, let me work on myself is inspiring that it can be done. I mean, it may be difficult, but it can be done. It's, it's not an, it's not easy and it's not a quick fix. Um, you know, anybody looking for a quick fix or a magic solution, it doesn't exist. Um, it's a step-by-step process and you literally have to take it day by day. And, um, I literally opened up, my biggest thing was I reopened up to the spirit world and I said, I need your help. And as I sat in the car straight from the doctors crying, um, and, and I put that out there, this warmth and comfort just washed straight over me. And this beautiful voice just said, we've been waiting for you. Mm-hmm. And that was it. The journey began to pick myself back up and start getting back on my feet. And all the way through, the more that we learn that connectivity, the more I, you know, in the past, I believed in a connectivity. I believed that we were connected to everything. I believed in the spirit world. Now, suddenly, I was knowing. And it was knowing and taking that on board to the point that every day I would sit and take time to literally look into my soul and say, what did we do today? How did we do today? How are we going to do this better? What do we need to work on? And connecting with the spirit world and saying, show me the way. Help me, show me the way. The right people started to come into my life. The right books got put into my pathway. The lessons of just sitting every time I meditated, I was then shown a part of the journey that I'd been on to remind me and to really allow me to ponder that. The book itself took me four years to write, and it's not a massive book. It's, um, it really is looking at the, 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 the journey the other side was the easy part to write because that's just a memory. Mm-hmm. Just writing down the memory thing that took, I think, the longest was the second half of the book, which was more about really understanding those lessons because I had to live those lessons and really apply them and put them to understand exact all the lessons within that. Does that make sense? It does. So it's, yeah, it's been do a you, journey. Do so. you write it in a way, and I'm guessing you do, that the reader can take this on for themselves. Cause I'm thinking when you just said, how did we do today? And having that relationship with the unseen world, I've heard this before that, you know, we're all humans on our path, but it's only when we ask for help or there's dire situations does the help get given. Could it, could it be, I'm saying using the word simple, I know it's not a simple process, but that we can all just start with asking and saying, I need your help. Absolutely. And it is that simple. It really is. And I think that for me, that's one of the biggest things is helping people to understand it is simple. It is a simple process. It's just about taking the time, being patient and sitting within yourself to understand who you are. We so busy in this world, constantly bumbling along, um, 
you know, paying attention to everyone else. I mean, people are very good at being able to judge someone else's life or decide how they're not doing that very well or they're yes. doing this really well. We're very good at that as a human race. But how many of us actually take the time to really look at ourselves and, and have those conversations and judge within ourselves? And that's not judge as in, let's be negative about ourselves and put ourselves down. Let's also be brutally honest with ourselves to understand where our faults are and how we might go about changing those or softening those or understanding those, understanding where those hard edges came from, understanding where those layers of protection come from. Because I believe that, you know, all of us have that beautiful, authentic, pure soul that's underneath everything. It sits underneath the layers of pain, the layers of protection that we've built around us, the layers of learned behavior. Um, and it sits underneath all of those. And we have to work our way through all those things. And sometimes it's not comfortable to unpack that pain and unpack that hurt and re go over, not relive something. We don't need to relive things because we've already lived it once. Why li- relive it again? But we do need to learn to look at the situation and be able to look back on it as a memory and say, okay, what did I learn from that? What have I taken on board that maybe I need to soften or learn to start to make peace with or forgive? So it's a constant process of working on ourselves and that never stops. And and I don't think we're ever going to stop that for the whole time we're here. We're going to, we need to constantly be looking at self. I do an exercise where I actually write a letter to my soul um, on a daily basis. And just, I just write a letter to just say, just checking in with you as if I was writing to my best friend who's in another country. How are you? What's been going on for you today? How are we dealing with things? Where did that pain come up? When that happened today, why did that trigger you in such a way? What did it create for you? And then I allow myself to just sit with the spirit world and with the universe and the connection to everything that is and say, okay, let me just let go of my mind. Show me. And when we get our mind out of the way, our soul can talk. I could listen to you talk for hours. This is great. <laughs> oh, my well, goodness. I, it's fantastic. And I'm so excited because your book just came out within the past couple of weeks. It's like, oh, I feel honored <laughs> that I get to interview you now. Because it is, it's simple and it takes doing. So it, I it want the quick fix, to be honest with you. I want to just pay nineteen ninety nine and have the perfect body <laughs> and have the perfect life. And <laughs> oh, if only, if mm-hmm. only there's a program out there, right? That we can right? do. But what are we going to learn from a quick fix? Uh, nothing. And I think, and I'd like to get your take on this. What yeah. do you think the point is of being human? And if there is something about our soul learning, I don't want to say lessons, but having these experiences and the growth. And can you, can you speculate a little bit about what your thoughts are? About that? I, I really think it's important, you know, for the spirit, for the spirit world, the way I see it, time means nothing um, in the spirit world. And, and actually the time that we, so for the journey that I took the other side for me would have taken, well, for me felt like, and, and a whole day, mm-hmm. um, if not longer. Um, but let's be honest, I wouldn't have been flatlining for a whole day. Um, I would have been flatlining on and off for as long as they were taking to resuscitate me, which mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how long I was dead. And it's something that I've never looked at um, or even gone to sort of find that information out purely because I knew that it took my daughter having to phone my parents, my parents having to get into a car and drive to the hospital and get to the hospital um, before they'd actually come out to tell them that they'd managed to get my heart restarted. It's a long time. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those, do I, do I need to know? Do I need to know what, what was really going on with my physical body in that time? Mm-hmm. No. 
probably not. I'd find that too distressful. Sure. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's what my soul was going through was more important um, than maybe what my physical body was going through at that time. Um, But yeah. I've forgotten what your question was. Oh, it was just, it was a a little question. It was just tiny. It's what's the meaning of life? (laughs) Yeah, no, just to speculate a little bit about our soul's development, our purpose. Yeah, just what your thoughts are. Do you know what? I think, I think because, because time doesn't mean anything, a lifetime that we have here is a blink of an eye, I believe, for them. Um, So, we might look at things as time and it's so long before we get to see our loved ones again um, on the other side. But for them, it's a blink of an eye. Um, And I think we're here to understand who we are, to experience the hardships, the hardships of life, to experience love, to experience um, difficulties, because it's to progress our soul. Everything is to do with the soul and it's all about progressing our soul. And I think every experience that we have here progresses our soul. Now, if life is all good and it's all fluffy bunnies and everything's great and we just bumble along through life, um, are we learning? Yeah, we're going to be learning, but are we learning a lot? Probably not. Um, have we not noticed that it's in the hardships of life that we really learn the most? Yes. That we can look back on those moments in years to come and look back and say, wow, now I understand that. Now I get why we went through that. Now I understand why I had to understand that. And, and we learn more about ourselves because even in this, with everything that's going on now with this pandemic and the world's shut down and everybody has to stay indoors and, and there's so much fear out there and you've got others that are just wanting to send love and healing out into the world and are just buoyantly keeping on day by day and going, we'll just deal with this day by day. Because let's be honest, that's all we can do, right? Correct. Is yes. deal with everything one day at a time, one step at a time. And, and then there's all this fear. But within this, everybody's taken time to just be still, to stop racing around, going from one thing to another, to another, to another, with our minds constantly full. And we're taking time out to actually stop and realize what's important in life. Suddenly not being able to see your loved ones or um, be in the same room with them to be able to hug them, to hold them. We're now realizing the importance of that. By being forced to slow down, we're starting to realize that Racing around doesn't achieve anything. If we look back to, I look back to like my grandparents' life and I think, gosh, can you imagine Mondays was washing day and my grandmother would have spent all day doing nothing but washing because it was with the board and the mangle and, and, and everything else. Nowadays, we have washing machines. So we put a load on and we get on with something else. Yes. We're cramming so much more into our days that we're almost overloading ourselves and not allowing ourselves that space, that time to truly have that connection with everything that is and to understand who we are. I'm thinking of myself and thank you for that. I am now 54 years old and mm-hmm. the last many years I have had the same things on the someday when I have time list. And life goes by so fast. And yeah, I've, and many of us working very hard to make money, to survive, and yep. we are busy. And so I know there's a lot of people having financial crises right now. And even myself, I can't work my, my main business, which pays the mortgage. So, yeah, you know, that's kind of things tough. So I don't want to, I honor that we have that financial strain, but I'm finding creativity. I'm finding better yeah. conversations with my mom. I'm finding time to meditate or sit in the power. I, I'm yeah. now, now I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to write my letter to self, you know, <laughs> to my soul. But it's just, there's time that, there's time that's been created 
that actually feels like it's nourishing my soul and I'm starting to get back in touch yeah. with who I am. So I'm thinking that could be happening to others. So we could look at and this as a, a blessing or a curse. And I know there are people listening now probably in the year 2023. So we are recording this in May of 2020 when we are all ha- in quarantine lockdown from the uh, coronavirus pandemic. Um, but there, there's time. And, you know, I hear from so many people that, um, you know, they look back on their life and one of their, you know, they have so many regrets of what they didn't do because there was just never enough time. So I think we can use this as a, a blessing. Absolutely. And I, and I think the thing is, I get it and I understand that you too have those financial concerns and worries and 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 that I don't dismiss that and I don't put that down for anybody that's going through that and really struggling with things like that right now this is also where they're going to find who is around them that really is in touch and is going to step up and be there to help to be there to be a shoulder to be there you know we're really starting to understand who our true friends are in in the people around us and um, how many people are thinking of other people and how to serve and how to help? I mean, I know that you do a, <clears throat> you know, a Sunday service and, and things like that. It's putting things out there to provide a service for other people to help them uplift them, to help them connect, to help them to understand. That's a service. You know, the neighbor um, down the road who is too old and can't go out you know, making sure that we make sure that she's okay and that she's got her shopping bits and what have you. That's a service. Yes. And I think sometimes we look at things and we think of service and we think it's got to be some giant, huge gesture. And it doesn't. It can be the most simplest of things of just opening a door for somebody, smiling giving, at somebody. Giving as they a walk, compliment. Yeah, exactly. Smiling at somebody as they walk down the road and you might be the only person they're going to see all day that has smiled at them and that smile is infectious and it brightens their day. It's a service. It's only something small, but it makes a difference to somebody else's life. Yeah. Just phoning up and saying, hi, how are you? And really meaning it. That's a service. Yeah, you mentioned um, getting to know yourself and being of service. I was going to ask that question had you not brought it up. And it's the little things. And we never know. So, yeah, you don't have to do something big like have a radio show or write a book. But just talking about since we started, uh, well, it's been six weeks that we've done the Sunday service. It's just non-denominational, afterlife included. But I've heard from people, Mickey, that they're alone. And this is the one thing they have to look look forward to during the week and yeah. I you know we take for granted that little gestures could be somebody's everything and I, I mean I probably won't see these people ever but just yeah. we can all look for the tiniest things to make a difference do you know Sandra I truly believe we all affect people in this life mm-hmm. without even realizing we're affecting people um, you know how many people have have made an impact on you and yet when you've met up with them again, you've said, oh my God, I remember you because I remember when you said this and it made me feel like this. Or when you did this, I was and they're gobsmacked because they're like, really? Really? Yeah. Don't, nobody, we don't see ourselves how other people see us. But we can have an effect on people all the time. And I think that's where we need to be aware because when we can be, you know, too judgmental or too cutting or too, our egos are kind of like, up there it can have a negative impact on people and that too is you know we need to be aware of those things within ourselves but it's just about discovering who we are and not being afraid to unpack the the painful bits the ugly bits it's like the good the bad and the ugly and it's okay to unpack all of it and accept all of it and say this is who I am but Every day I can work on getting better and being better. And some of the ugly stuff gets us to be who we are and gives us our strengths. Absolutely. But by looking at them, we realize that we don't have to always use them. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) You know, it gives us a choice. And I'm also thinking, you know, you had said earlier that it's, it's easy for other people to judge 
people because we can look at them and we can see all their faults and their strengths. Yeah, but yeah. the same thing goes true as w- being in communication with our own souls and doing this soul growth. Others are going to start saying, hey, look at this one. They're changing. They're doing this. And I think yeah. by us having this soul growth, other it's, it just opens the door for other people to say, I, I want that. You know, what are you doing? Absolutely. And, and then, you know, like attracts like. So when we open ourselves and we really understand that connection to everything that is, and we're connected with our own pure, authentic soul, then we start attracting the same thing in. And we start attracting in people that are also on that journey of self-discovery, that are also working on themselves and, and understanding their soul and wanting to be of service, etc. And And then suddenly everything else starts to whipping up. You know, I've noticed that do you know, you, if you heard the phrase that, you know, the universe will also always deliver. Yes. So if we are always kind of thinking of fear and always kind of thinking negativity, do you know, let's take it down to the basics of, you know, your girlfriend that'll say, I always choose the wrong men. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that comes out of their mouth, there's something about them that always goes, and you always will, because that's what you're putting out there. We're putting it out there into the universe. I always choose the wrong men. And therefore the universe goes, oh, okay, we need to make sure we send the wrong men that way. <laughs> <laughs> So it's about what are we thinking? What are we attracting? What are we putting out there with that connection? And now what's interesting is that I find now I truly know about my connection with everything that is. As I'm stru- if I'm struggling with something, I think, you know, we really need the answer to that. I'm not sure on which way to go with that. Well, I'm not sure what the answer to that is. So I put it out there and I just put it out there and let it go. And, and I've noticed that the answers are coming back much quicker now than they used to just before it would take a couple of days now it's almost like within the hour or within a few hours but it's the answer comes back in and it's comes in in many different ways so it could be a friend that just happens to phone and starts talking about that subject or Mm brings something up you go there it is there's the answer or you see something on the telly or hear something on the radio whatever it is or you know a particular book whatever the universe will always bring the answer in in some way, shape, or form. That's great. And to remember that there's no time in the unseen world to us. <sighs> I want everything immediately, but what's the, you know, what's the bonus of that? But to know that it will come and, and to be living in that faith that even though we don't yeah. have the answer, that we are still supported. And it's, it's getting our minds out of the way. It's our minds that are the bi- our biggest uh, saboteurs, our big men, uh, sister problem is our mind. Mm-hmm. The minute we remove our mind from the situation and just allow our soul to put it out there and let go and let go, because that's another issue that we all have in some way, shape, or form, or level is needing to be in control. The minute we take away being in control and just putting it out there and going, you know what? I know that the answer is going to come back in. I know that I'm going to find that out in whichever way, shape or form you decide to bring it to me. The same as when we're working as a medium, working with the spirit world and bringing through those loved ones messages. If my mind comes into play, then my mind wants to make sense of what they're giving me. Mm -hmm. But it's not for my mind to make sense of it. By blending the souls together, by blending my soul with theirs by opening my soul and just saying, I trust, I surrender myself over to you and then start to feel that loved one to understand what they were, how they were, what was their personality? How did they, you start to feel it as if you're so blended that you start to feel every fiber of it and every fiber of them and their being. And it's not for me to make sense of it. If I allow my mind to come in, my mind's going to start to get it wrong and sabotage it because my mind's going to go, oh, oh, well, that feels, that feels like she was a, I don't know, let's say she was, a, that feels like she was a, a baker or then she must have baked bread. That's my head. Mm-hmm. It might be feeling into that and realizing that it's something completely different. And once you get in touch with your own soul, I think it gives you more of a 
a comparison or a difference of when you're feeling something else, you can say, this isn't mine, you know, and you can Absolutely. really get it's the, it's a person. Absolutely. Because how, how, if we don't know ourselves, it's funny because when we talk to people, people go, well, of course I know who I am. Of course I know myself. I, I live with myself, but, but it's that it's, you do. And I did, but how much are we really paying attention to who we are, what we're doing, how we're feeling, why we're feeling, Mm -hmm. why are we feeling a certain way about that? Why did something upset us the way it did? What was that trigger point? Right. Mickey, what would you say to somebody listening right now who's 75 years old, listening and just saying, oh, well, I'm at the end of my journey now. It's too late to start all of this. You're never at the end of your journey. First of all, you're never at the end of your journey because life continues, right? Right. From here, we're going to go to the afterworld and our life continues. Our journey continues. So it's never too late. And I think, again, that's the whole thing, isn't it? It's our mindset. If we decide that, um, oh, that's it, I'm retired now, so oh, can't do that, I'm too old to do that. We're deciding that. We're putting those limitations onto ourselves. And, and it's like, why? At 75, at 85, what stops you from learning something new? Right. What stops you from getting excited about something and giving something a go? I mean, we can be reasonable. We can be within our limits and say, oh, I don't really fancy that. But if there's something, say you're 75 years old and you've always wanted to learn how to play piano why not start now? There shouldn't be anything to stop us. Life is for living while we're here and, and, and really embracing everything to do with this human experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. So That's let's right. have that experience to the full, to the max. Let's live it. Let's do the things that light us up inside, that ignites our passion, that fills us full of joy. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, our time's going by fast. I know you're looking at the, you may not be looking at the clock, but I'm like, it's almost been an hour that we've been talking. <laughs> I want to just talk about some of the things, other things you do. I know right now we're in lockdown. Um, yeah. And are you doing uh, medium readings on the phone or on Zoom or anything like that? Yeah. Yes. Great. I'm, I'm just set up my um, online to be able to do readings in that online. Um via zoom skype facetime i mean there's so many things available to us now isn't there there? are yeah and yeah like we're connecting three thousand miles away yeah our loved ones can be anywhere anytime in the unseen world so i know very clearly that um, mediumship readings from afar work but also when you're not in lockdown uh you do workshops you want to tell us a little bit about those yeah Yeah, so I've, i've started doing workshops um so I do workshops on the personal development side, which is helping people to understand, to learn about themselves, to really take that time to look at themselves. Um, I do sometimes a monthly group when we're not in lockdown. Um, And I have different groups that come together that allow them, it might be the only time because they're so busy in life, to actually Mm -hmm. spend that two hours to really look within. Um, But it still helps them on that journey so I do personal development which is about self I also do um, mediumship and psychic workshops to help you understand what your abilities are because I believe as well that within especially within the spiritual connection we as much as we are all unique individuals as mediums we are all unique and individual and we all work very differently and and it's about what is your way what works for you and um, let's encourage that and um, encourage your own connection rather than um, sort of teaching along the lines of this is the way it should be done and you should do it this way. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that can hold people back because that's not natural for them to work that way. Mm-hmm. So I also teach the mediumship side of things. I've done the personal development. Um, I've done wedding renewals. Um, which are always beautiful. Um, I did one recently, actually, for a dear friend of mine who um, she's in stage four cancer. Mm. And um, 
So we did a wedding renewal for her and her husband nice. because she wants to just fill her time with happy memories. Yes. And that was beautiful. It was such a beautiful thing to be a part of. And um, yeah. You're busy, so, girl. Yeah, I think that's about me, really. Oh, <laughs> thank you from the bottom of all of our hearts for being our guest today. It's been an absolute pleasure, Sandra. Yeah, and I'm going to throw this out to you. I don't know if you'd be interested. We can talk a little bit after we record. But I've been starting doing these um, 90-minute guest speakers, little mini workshops uh, while we're on Zoom. And maybe you would do one on uh, something you've talked about today and writing to our soul. I don't know, but we can brainstorm. I think that would be a lovely thing. Yeah, Yeah, love love to. They're always low cost and just something that will inspire you. And everyone always gets the video replays to watch it over again. But I think that would be really nice. And it yeah. could be a service to many, many, many people. Absolutely. Love to. Hello, this is Sandra with a little commercial break. After recording this interview with Mickey, I really felt we needed to hear more about letters to our soul. So we organized a 90-minute uh, special event May 16th, which is a Saturday, 2020. And you can find out more and register for it at we don't die radio.com and click on store. And if you listen to this after May 16th, you can still go to that website and the replay will be there. Okay, now back to the end of the episode. Okay, and for our listener. Thank you for listening today. I want to remind you, Mickey's book is called Dying to See You. A medium describes her near-death experience, available on Amazon, uh, also through her website, which is mickeyhavelock.com. In the description of this episode, I have the links to see the book, buy the book if you'd like to. Um, Also, just a few things to know. Our home base for the show is We Don't Die radio.com we're up to all kinds of things we're we're doing online courses weekly mediumship demonstrations um just bunches of stuff the online sunday gathering that mickey was talking about you can find out all we don't die radio.com if you wish to be so brave and sign up for my mailing list it's called the insiders club you will receive a free copy of my book, We Don't Die, although it just says it's the first few chapters. It's the whole thing. And there's a very healing audio called How to Survive Grief in this time of lockdown. A lot of people don't aware we're grieving. And there's a lot of those things that grievers do that we're doing. And it just helps move through the process and understand. Also, if you're interested in listening to my audiobook in the store at the... Um, main webpage, there's my audiobook, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And if you want to type in the coupon code FREE, F-R-E-E, it takes the price to zero. We have a Facebook group called We Don't Die Listeners, where you can be supported and talk about these afterlife things and living life things. So again, thank you to Mickey Havelock. Thank you, Mickey. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It really has. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to start reading your book. So in closing, (laughs) my name is Sandra Champlain, and I'm always so delighted to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. I too believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here is important. And you might want to get a piece of paper and just write a little letter to your soul. Uh, Let the mind out of the way and just ask the unseen world around you for a little help and a little support and start with you. So thank you for listening and we'll see you soon.